Welcome back to the latest and greatest episode of the Air Power Hour. Tech Sergeant Check here, and on today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with the new squadron commander of the 347th Recruiting Squadron, Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin Schulze. After graduating from the Air Force Academy with a degree in chemistry, Colonel Schulze became one of the very few chemists in the Air Force. Over his 17-year career, he has held multiple positions and assignments all over the world. The Air Force allowed Colonel Schulze to pursue his doctorate at the University of Florida, where he ultimately met his wife, Monica. He has now assumed command of all active air and space force recruiting efforts throughout Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, and even the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It was excellent having Colonel Schulze on. His story was very unique and shows a different side of the Air Force. But without further ado, I give you Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin Schulze. To your post assignment. All units proceed to your post assignment. Welcome to the Air Power Hour. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Air Power Hour. And I must say that this is actually a very special episode for me. Uh, I am joined today with our new commander, our new squadron commander. I know that. Uh, a lot of you have heard the the previous episode with our uh, previous commander, Lieutenant Colonel Knight. Um, but now we have a new leadership in, and I'm very excited. I've been waiting for this opportunity for a while to to get him on uh, because stop he has, check. You're making me blush. Oh, I can't. Hey, this is is awesome. Uh, he's got a great story. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen. Um, I give you Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin Schulze. Colonel Schulze, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Check. Did I wonder if your listeners know that your name is not actually Check? I I think in the first like trailer I said Chekovich. Okay. You know what? But I just I will admit I have not listened to the first trailer. Yeah. So my bad. But I have listened to many others. Yeah. So yes, if you didn't know, Sergeant Check's real name is not Check. No, it's, it's something much more complicated that if you looked at it, you'd be like, how do you get check out of that? But we'll I know. Check. And I really picked like the worst career to go into because we just mainly in the military, we go by last names. And it's true. I'm I mean, sure your 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 T.I.'s had lots of fun with. Yeah, I was called Alphabet Soup. Oh, there you go. When I first got there. And then I don't believe and I loved my training instructor. He was awesome. But I don't believe over the six weeks of basic training that he actually pronounced my name right once. You loved your TI? Yeah, he was awesome. Oh my god. Yeah, he was he was really cool. Uh and uh, our our basic training flight didn't do the best for him. We had some some tough times, but he he brought us all together in the end and and we were uh we were a fine-tuned machine. So Okay. But yeah. That's what they do. He used to call me Chekovic. Oh, nice. Yeah. So for those that are having trouble visualizing how to spell Czech's last name, imagine Duke head coach Mike Shashevsky. Yeah. Yeah. And how you get Shashevsky out of K-R-Z-Y-X-Q-R-P-O-Q, similar to Czech's last name. Yeah, there's a couple letters in there that aren't supposed to be in there or don't look like they should be in there, but they just put them in for fun. But enough about me. We are here to talk about uh, you, sir. I don't know. So that I'm uh, ready for this part. Yeah. Well, I mean, welcome to the podcast. I know Thank you've you. listened to a couple and I hope you're ready to... Uh, to give the people what they want and they want to hear about the life of lieutenant colonel shelsey well i'm uh i'm very excited to be here uh i'm very anxious to be here my heart is beating out of my chest right now i know it's good uh difficult 
probably for the listeners to determine that. Hopefully they can't, but uh, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Okay. You've done a lot. I've done a, th- a thing or two. Yeah, but let's start from the beginning. Okay. So when did you decide that the career path you wanted to take was the United States Air Force? That is a excellent question, and I'm going to probably talk the same way about it. I think that Chief Bass did. Yeah. Um, and it's that um, she didn't really know. If you haven't listened to the Chief Bass episode, you should. It's a little bit shorter, so it's a little more like... I think digestible on maybe your morning commute. So you should check that out. Um, But she said she didn't really know. She didn't really start serving, I think is what she said until her like fourth year in. Yeah. And I think you've said that as well. Yep. Yeah. So my, my story is very similar. And I think that's probably one of the uh, more important points to convey. I think throughout, as, as you get through these podcasts, you listen to these stories is you don't have to know what you want to do to join the air force. Mm -hmm. You absolutely don't have to know you can join the air force and figure it out on the way. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, there are plenty of people that are true Patriot Patriots and want to serve their country. Um, and that's why they join the, the armed forces. But I would say there's a large group of them that have no clue and they're just looking for a job and that's okay. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. My voice went up like seven octaves there. Sorry. It's okay. It's good. Um, you can cut that out. <laughs> um, so I did not know, uh, so I joined the Air Force. I went to the Air Force Academy, and I wanted to play basketball. I yeah. wanted to play college basketball, and I did not want my parents to pay for it. I wanted a scholarship. I didn't want to pay for it either because I didn't have the money, and I knew my parents didn't have that much money. So I said, I'm going to go to the school that gives me the best college scholarship. And guess what? The Air Force Academy came up number one on that list. Wow. Um and it was the opportunity to play college basketball. It was the opportunity to not have to pay for college. So for me, it was kind of a financial decision to join mm-hmm. um, more than anything at that point in my life. Now, yeah. mind you, I'm a 17, 18-year-old knucklehead that <laughs> you know can barely look past the, the week ahead of me, let alone the years ahead of me. And so I joined the – I went to the Air Force Academy. I first went to the prep school, actually. And um, – it was all kind of part of this larger plan for the basketball program there. They wanted to kind of redshirt me for a year. Yeah. Um, and so this is almost 20 years ago now, or it's probably about 20 years ago now. Um, I, I was, I was pretty skinny. Yeah. I was a skinny dude. Um, and so they were like, you need like a red shirt year to put more muscle on <laughs> and then we'll, we'll put you in the system. And so ultimately I spent, if you can, if you, uh, include the prep school. I spent five years at the at the academy. So um, you did like the Giannis program there. Is that, got, is that what it was? Got there really skinny. Bulked oh yeah, up. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I put on uh, about twenty five pounds in my first in that one year at the prep school. Wow. So I was I was scrawny. Let's put it yeah, that way. And Jack. you can't tell from the podcast, but <laughs> yeah. the, the man sitting next to me is a, a six foot. Seven, six foot ten. There you go. Yeah, inches. He's a he's a tall man. So basketball, yeah, was probably probably a good choice. Right. Yeah. So ultimately, that's that was. If you want to go back to the very beginning, right? That's the reason I joined. Was yeah. I was looking to play some basketball. I didn't want to pay for college, um, but as soon as I started getting into, so I I got through the academy. That was an experience. But I got through the academy. I commissioned, I found out what the real Air Force is like, because at the Academy, all you can think about is, this sucks at the Academy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but once you get in the real Air Force and you're like, oh, you're living your own life, you're you're an actual human being. You you know you you drive to work every day. Um, it's it's something that's difficult to grasp if you haven't been through the academy ex- academy experience. Yeah. But for someone like yourself or whoever just goes to basic training and, we'll, and then you just go right into your job, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's what normal people do. Yeah. But for someone who's been at the academy, it's basically had every, you know, minute of your life accounted for for the last five years. I um, mean, it was great. I loved it, man. It was it was cool. Go to the gym. Um, the people I worked with at my first uh, assignment, which were. Um, is it is it time to start talking about assignments and things like that? You can go wherever you want, sir. <laughs> my first assignment was I was a. So I, I, I commissioned as a 61 Charlie, which is yeah. a chemist, which there are a hundred of us in the Air Force total. Wow. So check, what, what was your AFSC again? Uh, Air Transportation. Air Trans. Yeah. And how many would you say there oh, are of you? There's quite a few. Probably um, in the thousands. Yes, absolutely. There are a hundred chemists in the entire Air Force. And now just to put that in perspective, there's like 400,000 people in the Air Force, right? About 330. 330,000. So think about that number and how tiny of a number that is. Yeah. So you are one of a very selected few. You're staring at a unicorn. You You're, don't even know uh, it. Unicorn. He's yeah. staring at me, by the way. It's kind of awkward. Yeah. I like to make direct <laughs> no, eye contact the entire time. <laughs> so and now you were a scientist. You, you did that what was your degree in at the air force academy yeah so i graduated with a a bs in chemistry wow and um and so what they kind of what i didn't know but i learned um through the process of becoming a chemist is that it's basically expected that you're going to get an advanced degree yeah um and that was that worked fine with me i was like yes i need i want an advanced degree that that was kind of like one of my goals once i learned you know what it was like to be a chemist in the first place um but it's a little misleading, right? So my title is a chemist, but a lot of uh, a lot of my job has been project and program management. Wow. Um, not a lot of hands-on chemistry. So not in a lab coat with a beaker. And I've done a little bit of that. Yeah, a little bit of that, and especially right when you right when I first commissioned, there was beakers and lab coats and things like that. Nice. Also, when I taught chemistry, there was beakers and lab oh, coats yeah. and, and things like that. Um, but as far as like outside of the academic world. Not a lot of that. Wow. And so um, because you do a lot of project project management, program management, they put you through acquisitions training. Mm. And so the six series, the 61s, the 62s, and the 63s. So the 62s are engineers and the 63s are uh, acquisitions officers. Okay. We're, we, we make up the force modernization developmental category is what they call DevCap. And... Um, we all go through the same essential initial skills training or whatever tech training. It's all equivalent, right? So yeah. people use different words to describe it. Like you probably went through tech school, mm-hmm. right? And so this is our tech school was acquisitions training. So okay. we're all acquisitions officers. And the mindset behind that is um, you are essentially the technical expert on any acquisitions project that the Air Force puts you on. Okay. And so they will, they will tee you up with an acquisitions project that has to do with chemistry. You have the chemistry background you're not going to be performing the chemistry because the Air Force has paid someone basically to do the research, to do the project, et cetera. You're but overseeing the, it. Yeah, it's the process. That's the, that's the kind of the general thought process is that you're going to oversee as the technical expert of this project. So therefore, we're going to give you acquisitions, project management training. And what kind of acquisitions are we talking about here? Like so what kind could, of things did you... Yeah, so it could be with? anything from 
let's see. Uh, so I started off doing uh, fuels research, jet fuel research. So wow. I was um, in charge of, there was this big multi-million dollar experimental fuels development rig that we had purchased. And I was in charge of a small piece of it uh, where we were analyzing um, the the off gases. So when you when you put this experimental stuff into it and out would come jet fuel, right? This uh, And I was making sure that whatever the off gassing was coming off was safe and all that good stuff. And so oh. I, had, I was in charge of making an analytical rig to do wow. that. Um, and so I kind of understood the chemistry behind it and all that good stuff. Um, what other project management things? So if we want to kind of segue into my later assignments. So after I did that, that fuels research gig, um, I went and got a PhD um, at the University of Florida. So that's another thing that I think is part of my story overall is the Air Force can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, and I don't think people realize that. Like they think that, oh, I'm going to be a maintenance, uh, I'm going to be a wrench head. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have the opportunity to do these other things. You absolutely have the opportunity to do these other yeah. things. You just have to do it. Have yep. to go out there and put your mind to it. Um, and the way that I got my PhD, I don't have a master's by the way, right? So the Air Force has this kind of uh, formula that you must follow in order to get certain things. I did not follow that formula at all. Yeah. And here I am with the PhD. So uh, usually the Air Force says, okay, you have a BS, you go get a master's. We'll pay for you to do that. And here's how it works. You go get a master's for 18 months and then you're gonna pay us back by doing something that mm. utilizes that master's that you just got. Yeah. After you get done with that follow-on assignment, then we'll open up the opportunity for you to get a PhD. You'll go get a PhD for three years. And then again, you will go back and pay back that assignment with another assignment that utilizes that skill that you just spent three years right. uh, getting. I didn't do, I don't have a master's. <laughs> wow. uh, and so I also took four years to get a PhD instead of three. So again, there's wiggle room. Yeah. <laughs> um, if anything, what you could take away from this is, A, you can do anything you want, and there's wiggle room to kind of bend the rules a little bit here and there. So the way that I was able to get four years is that I said, hey, I'm not going to get a master's. You're not spending extra money on me. In fact, you're saving money because yeah. the total time that you spend getting a master's and a PhD, I'm taking less than that because yeah. I'm getting I'm going in four years instead of four and a half total. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, when I applied for my PhD, I did it completely the wrong way. I did it completely <laughs> the wrong way, Jack. I, my older brother, I have to give him some props because he's just, he has, he knows nothing about the military, but, yeah. he, but he's, he's like the, 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 the normal person, common sense, half of my brain. He's like, Ben, do you want to get a PhD? And I'm like, well, I can't, I'm in the air force. He's like, why? And I'm like, well, there are rules. I can't just leave and go get a PhD. And he's like, well, just apply and see what happens. I'm like, well, I could do that. Couldn't I? <laughs> what is, and then, so I eventually, I just did it. I just applied and I got accepted. I was like, well, crap. What do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> and so I went through the whole process. I talked to my boss. My boss said, talk to AFPC. AFPC came back to me and said, well, we don't have any slots for you this year. And you only have one year. I only had one year time on station. This was like my, my first year. And, uh, but you know, you should apply again next year. So I applied again. Ultimately, I still didn't get it. Uh, they filled up all the slots, but then they were like, be on standby. We're going to see if we can get an extra slot from a different, because I was applying, uh, the way I was applying was through the faculty pipeline, which is where you go and teach afterward. Okay. Um, and they said, uh, we're going to see if we can get any fallout slots from any other uh, uh, Air Force Academy departments. 
And so nice. ultimately, I, I think I got a like a math department PhD slot. Oh. So got to go to the University of Florida for four years after that and get a PhD in chemistry. So that's amazing. Now, did the Air Force pay for that? The Air Force paid for every red cent. Wow. And I got paid my full active duty salary while they were paying while for my you education. Were <laughs> so let that, me paint a picture for you here, Check. You are in grad school as an air, active duty Air Force member. I'm in, in grad school with a bunch of other grad students who are getting paid a stipend. A stipend that is just about as much as a garbage worker, literally. Actually, I think there are probably garbage workers in like New York that make more than a, a grad student. Wow. And so I have my own, I like, I had bought a house. I had like a nice car and all these things. And these grad students are just, all these other grad students are looking at me like green with envy. Yeah. And I'm like showing up. And first of all, I'd been at work for two years. These grad students are, they're just students, right? Yeah. And they're getting paid pittance. They have no motivation to get in early <laughs> and go in and do research other than the PhD, the person who's going to sign their PhD is in their hands, right? Yeah. Their life is in their, in that person's hands. So I'm showing up like at, you know, normal work hours, 7.30, 7 o'clock, 8, somewhere in between there and leaving, you know, between 4 and 5 while they're showing up at 10 a.m. and then leaving at 2. Jeez. And so they're just, and so it's like, okay, now I know why they take five years to get a PhD, six years to get a PhD. It's because they're just normal yeah. grad students. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not really motivated. Wow. That's amazing. So now I know that you, so you were in Florida for four years? That's correct. Four years. And while you're in that school, does that count for your time towards retirement? That is correct. Wow. Yes. So you got a PhD on the Air Force's dime, but also accumulated the four years towards your retirement. Yes. And then you also met someone pretty special there, right? <laughs> That's right. Check is alluding to my wife. I did meet my wife at uh, the University of Florida. She was a pharmacy student while I was a grad student. So Wow. Yeah. So you can pretty much thank the Air Force for all that. Pretty much. That's insane. That's amazing. <laughs> thank you for giving me that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like to I like to bring it back home because I feel the same way as well. The Air Force yeah. pretty much gave me everything, my wife and my kids. So Yeah. But once you were done, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say there are some consequences, though. Right? Yeah. So uh, I incurred, because of my uh, the PhD, I incurred a five-year active duty service commitment. So uh, for those that don't, uh, no, an active duty service commitment or an ADSC is what we call them is um, a essentially you cannot get out of the Air Force. You have to stay in the Air Force for five years following the the completion of your your PhD. Um, and, and if you get out or if anything happens where you have to you can potentially, you know, waive an ADSC, you can waive one of these things, but they're, they're likely not going to happen. Yeah. Right? But it wasn't it was OK with me because I knew I was going to stay in for a little bit while after that. Anyway, yeah, the Air Force treated you as an investment. And yes, they wanted exactly. A return on that investment, which is that's pretty normal. fair. It's fair. fair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the other thing is, so there's so, so there's that consequence. But the other consequence is, I've just now spent four years out of my core career field. Yeah. And so for an officer, um, you know, whether or not, it, it kind of depends on what your goals are in life, right? But my goal at the time was to get a PhD. Um, had I known that there was going to be some sort of, and there wasn't really adverse effects because, you know, there's, there's a, there's a kind of a prestige that comes with getting a PhD. Yeah. People recognize, Hey, you spent a lot of time getting this PhD. So, but while I'm doing that, other officers are out there jobbing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're setting themselves apart, getting stratifications, doing things like that. Um, and so I had to compete with that 
when I kind of returned to the real Air Force, as, as we kind of call it. And then, so for four years, four years is a pretty big chunk of time. Did your promotions change at all, or did every all did that get put on pause, or did you get promoted in your you know second year doing your PhD? Great question. Yeah, so I did get promoted in the middle of getting my PhD wow. <laughs> uh, because I went from first to first lieutenant to captain in the Dang. middle of it, and uh, it was and, it, and so for the most part those promotions are automatic yeah um especially back then things have changed now a little bit but i don't i think a first to a captain is still automatic um so it's just like one day you show up and you're automatically a captain right um but there were some complications too so at during that time i went through uh what's called a riff a reduction in force Mm -hmm. and ultimately what that is is the congress has authorized through you know funding and everything else the they have authorized the end strength of the united states air force yeah and then the the air force personnel center um the air force a1 have kind of doled out what that looks like per afsc per commissioning year all right and so when i commissioned as a chemist in in the 61 charlie afsc um the authorized end strength was probably about three to five is usually how the, how many they take. They took 15 chemists Whoa. in my commissioning year, which is way more than they yeah. should have. Wow. And so that was a, that eventually caught up to me. And in like, in, in the middle of my PhD time, they said, they said, Hey, your, your commissioning year is going through a riff. Your AFSC is going through a riff, a reduction in force, which is basically an, a, a mandatory, let go like a, a layoff yeah uh, in, in in the civilian world um please submit a uh a retention recommendation package and i'm like in the middle of my phd oh, doing wow. jobbing it that way yeah doing research um you know getting my hands with with chemicals and things like that and now i've got to deal with this reduction in force thing that i have no clue about i have no support and so luckily thank god i had colonel ha- colonel hack and my buddy luke galswick i'm going to call them out because they totally helped me out with this i did nothing for this thing and they totally looked out for me wrote up my package and said hey this is what we're submitting on your behalf does it look good i was like yeah (laughs) it looks great uh and so they they totally looked out for me and and helped me out in that regard and ultimately the air force decided to retain me obviously so god but that was that was a scary time yeah i can imagine that's a lot i was so disconnected from everything and you know going back to what you said being away from your you know primary career field for four years i can attest to that because i actually did four years of recruiting Mm -hmm. left my career field and then went back Mm -hmm. to my career field and i felt that kind of like i don't i'm not up to speed you know where i should be with the other ncos the non-commissioned officers and then i came back to recruiting Mm -hmm. after four years so I was right back in the same position where I was like, oh, well, I kind of don't really know how to, you know, do the recruiting things again. Very so similar. I put myself behind the eight ball quite a few eh. times in my, my career, but you got to do what you want to do. You got to, yeah. like I said, it's, and I, I am where I am supposed to be. I am. Yeah. I love this career field. Um, so I'm very happy and I'll take, I'll take the, the setbacks. Yeah. Yeah. And you just bloom where you're planted. That's what that exactly. was saying, right? Anyway. Yep. So, yeah. So once you're finished with your PhD, what's next? Next was NASIC. So this is kind of a funny 
bump, not bump, but it's a stop in the career because NASIC, okay, so NASIC is, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, and it's basically the, uh, I will, it's it's essentially the three-letter intelligence agency of the Air Force. Nice. It does uh, scientific and technical intel, uh, which means they'll take an enemy weapon system, study the snot out of it, and write a 300-page manual that will eventually affect some sort of tactics, techniques, and procedures. Wow. Um, they don't do a lot of real-time intel. Like, that's, that's a little... That's, that's some other agencies take care of that sort of thing. But this one, does, they do a scientific and technical, what we call phase three intel, which is that, you know, study this not out of one thing and come up with a 300-page tech report on wow. it. So um, I did that. I'm not going to be very specific about what I did there, but I did uh, R&D, um, and I had a blast. And yeah. this, is where, this is where I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. This is where I learned science leadership is – Again, it's it's program management. I managed a portfolio of sixty some odd projects worth about thirteen and a half million. Wow! Um, and I managed about eighty people. Dang! Sixty contractors, um, eight officers, two enlisted, and, and about ten or eleven civilians. Um, as a captain, as a as wow. a senior captain, um, and I was like, and I loved it. It was such a challenge, but I loved it, man. It was awesome. It was just like developing the latest and greatest of these like data uh, improving uh, software things that we did yeah and just showing the showing the entire intelligence community hey this is what we can do um you should you should get on board here and and it was just so it was so rewarding it was so much fun it was and that was like man this is i could see myself doing this yeah and so ever since then what i wanted to do when i grow up quote unquote <laughs> Uh, was was be involved in science leadership? Yeah. Now, where where was this? Did you have to move obviously away away from Florida? Right. Yeah. So moved back to uh, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, <laughs> to Wright Pat. Nice. Yeah. So I, my first assignment was at Wright Pat. Went to the University of Florida in Gainesville. Came right back to Wright Pat. Wow. Just <laughs> kind of funny. And then uh, obviously your wife went with you with the fiance in tow. We ended wow. up getting married. Yep. That's cool. Well, what did she think about going to Wright Patterson, she... Ohio? hated it <laughs> well so she is a florida girl through and through never oh, left wow. um, she's from south florida uh she never left obviously she the furthest north she went was to gainesville yeah um and so she's like we're going where come again like excuse me <laughs> and i'll never forget the first winter she spun out her her jeep got stuck in a in a ditch, no damage, no nothing wrong. No one was hurt, nothing. She just got, she was so frazzled. Yeah. She was crying. Luckily, uh, there was a kind of a good Samaritan that came by and pulled her out, took her to her, her job where she was driving to. And she's like, you know, Ben, you got to come get me. I can't, I can't drive today. I was like, you got it. No worries. So. <laughs> and then you moved her up to Wisconsin. <laughs> there was a few more stops yeah. in between there, Jack. Yeah, to prepare her for this <laughs> Wisconsin winters that we're about to get. She's she's a little more familiar now. She's ready now? Yeah, that's, she's ready. That's good. She's not ready. <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you in uh, Wright-Patterson then? Yeah, so that was that was three years. Um, I actually ended up deploying out of NASIC as well to do a, uh, a small six-month deployment at uh, Al-Udeed. Yeah. So we did... Um, uh, I worked for the Air Force Petroleum Agency at the time. So this is the only 61 Charlie deployment in the entire Air Force that wow. no longer exists. They closed that lab down. Um, but it was all, it was fuels, 
liquid oxygen and compressed breathing air quality assurance for the entire AOR. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So we would do quality assurance for everyone's fuel and locks and all that stuff that goes in the, the big tanks and all over the AR, AOR. So it could be busy, but it could also be very slow. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that, that's, I, I've experienced that on a couple of my deployments. There was one where we were, I was in Kuwait and we pulled out of Ooh, Kuwait. Our, yeah. Very hot. But it was the, Kuwait is like the hottest. Yeah. It's it, like 140 there. Yep. Ooh. Yeah, you walk outside and you feel like your sleeves are on fire. Yeah, it was really fun. But I was there when I got there. We were pulling out of Iraq, mm-hmm. and we were very, very busy. And then we were done pulling out of Iraq, and I hadn't gone home yet. Yeah. So it went to a complete stop. Oh, and there's nothing worse on a deployment than not having any work to do. Sure. Because it just yeah. makes the time creep by. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can totally sympathize with that. We were there were moments where we were working all nighters because, um, uh, say for example, a drone would crash. And they yeah. always they always want to make sure that the fuel wasn't the problem. Yep. So they would send us whatever tiny little sample they could scavenge from the wreckage, and we would we would test it. And of course, we had a limited testing battery that we could do. But ultimately, not I don't know of a time when the fuel was the problem. We'll put it that way. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we would work through the night just to make sure we could get them the results because nothing will take off on that airfield until they clear the fuel. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So now that you're through with that assignment, what's, what, what's next for Colonel Shelsey? Next was teaching. Was teaching. Academia. Yeah. Wow. So that was, that was, this was the payback for my PhD. Okay. Um, so you go, so the way that the program works again is that once you get done with your PhD, they make sure you kind of get your chops up as it were with the real air force. Yeah. Quote unquote. Um, and so you get some bullets on your OPR, gonna get your record back on track because while you're in school, you're getting training reports and you're, they're not the same as your official evaluation. Yeah. And so, Got all that set up, and then I went back to the, t- the academy to teach. So where I graduated from, you know, roughly ten years later, I went back and taught. Dang! And it was cool. I loved yeah. it. I loved being with the cadets. I wish I could say that the cadets loved me. <laughs> um, some did, some did, and some of the, some of those I still keep in touch with. Um, they're doing great. I, you know, I have a, I had one that went to Georgetown for grad school. I had one that uh, is now an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Nice. Um, so pretty proud of that and yeah. um but some of them man cadets can be mean mm-hmm. especially yeah. on those anonymous stu- uh uh teacher surveys things. yeah yeah wow so i taught chemistry taught yeah. all kinds of chemistry so podcast listeners if you if you need a chemistry tutor Heck here yeah. i am <laughs> yeah i might have to take a chemistry class actually now that we really have a, well i i don't have to but if you're here it might oh be i thought you were- easy a I, I'm so gullible. I'm done with school. I I finished my degree. Thank goodness. Air Force paper that one too. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, teaching back at the academy, um, did was that kind of a this? How long of a it was four years? You said it was three. Three. Yeah. So was that kind of the same situation where you were taken out of your career field and no? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um. I would say of the 100 chemists, probably about 50 or 60 of them have taught at the academy. It's wow. basically an expectation yeah. <laughs> that you go and teach at the academy Okay, um, if you're a chemist. Um, 
Yeah, so it's it's not a it's a situation where you're still competing against uh, as far as like your records and everything else. As an instructor, you are competing against um, everyone else in that force modernization developmental category, right? So I'm okay. competing at six twos, six threes. So yeah, it was it was a uh, it was an interesting time for sure. Yeah, as far as as OPR bullets were concerned. Now, did I I, I still loved everything I did there? Like I was. Aside from teaching, right, which is the whole reason I wanted to go there, I got to be got to be involved with a lot of other cadet programs. I was yeah. an officer representative for the women's volleyball team, which nice. means, which means I did nothing except for wear my uniform and travel with them. Wow. Now they had the side benefit, right, of me being a chemistry teacher, so I would tutor them in chemistry as well. Yeah, but literally, I could sit on the bench with them in the middle of games and just kind of clap and cheer them on, and that's cool. Go Air Force. Yeah, yeah, and then they pay for everything. It was great. Wow, got like. I got free trips to like San Diego and Las Vegas and yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're keeping score listening to this podcast, (laughs) I mean, how many things this person has done (laughs) that like, and I I usually ask this question later in the podcast. Let's save it. it. You want me to, you want me to save it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll save it. Yeah. Let's save it. All right. Well, cause there's still more to go. Oh, there's tons. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what was next after teaching. Where did you uh, now? Did you have uh, how long ago was this? This was so teaching was 2016 to 2019. OK, so any children? We did. Right. So we had a child at uh, the Air Force uh, while I was teaching at the Air Force Academy. My daughter um, was born in, in Colorado Springs. So nice. she was just a little little itty bitty kids so she yeah. doesn't i don't doubt she remembers a whole lot of it but we have like pictures of her like shoveling snow and stuff so yeah well she'll get to do that this year yeah she's so. oh yeah can. yeah <laughs> she'll she'll do like one row and get tired and go sledding or something i'm sure yeah all my kids were born in charleston south carolina my son was born and six weeks later we moved to wisconsin so i don't think he remembers much but uh yeah yeah it's it's pretty cool so what was next after uh colorado springs so next after colorado springs is probably the assignment that i i how can i say this it's it 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 surprises people the most and that was i was the director of operations for the air force drug testing lab it springs the most this this springs the most questions but yes it is that drug testing lab it is the drug testing lab that does all of the year analysis for the active duty air force guard and reserve as well as the army national guard and the army reserve wow so they do roughly about 800,000 specimens a year at that lab wow so i'm pretty well versed on what happens to your pee after it gets collected <laughs> Yeah, and you've made it very, very clear that it is not a dirty job. Like micro, it is very much not dirty. Micro is not jumping in, <laughs> being like, "Welcome to the urinalysis." Like, it was, yeah, no, it'd be pretty gross if that was the case. Yeah, um, no, it's definitely not a dirty job. Uh, the The building we work in is is actually very, very clean. Yeah, um, and people are very sensitive to the fact that it's it's urine. So yeah, but you would be. Oh my gosh, check some of the some of the samples we get. When you open that bottle, it's like, do you drink any water any at water? all? <laughs> it's like brown or black. It's yeah. I mean, and it smells like it's brown or black as well. It's so that's what that's the worst part is the smell. Yeah, monsters and nicotine. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> it's probably from a deployed location. <laughs> 
we do get samples from all over the world yeah yeah specimens from all over the world so so that's interesting so you what did you do what was your job there so my job was director of operations so i was essentially the right hand man of the boss uh who um I can't speak highly enough of her. She was awesome. She taught me so much about just the Air Force in general. Um, but I was her right-hand man in in terms of she needed something done. I made it when it happened. Made it happen. And it got to the point where I could kind of almost predict what she would want happening. And I would just go off and do it. And her job became that much easier. But yeah. it was a little bit of a learning curve at first. But I did. Um, I oversaw, uh, let's see, facilities, personnel, IT, budget, finance, and logistics. So I wow. basically oversaw the day-to-day operations of the lab, essentially, every aspect of it. So not much chemistry. You were more of the man- like managerial position. The lab actually runs on chemistry. So you're going to, unless you're kind of kind of siloed in your own kind of section of the lab, you're going to mm-hmm. hit some science. Yeah. So I, and in and kind of one of the other things is I got certified to certify samples. So I was a oh, certifying nice. official. And you have to learn some of the science to, yeah. to do that piece, um, especially once you get towards the higher, uh, more responsibility uh, certifying official levels, which I was working towards. I never got to, but um, I was able to. I so my my chemistry background definitely helped me understand the equipment a mm-hmm. lot better, a yeah. lot better. So yeah. Now is that usually a, a? You said your Air Force specialty code was sixty one Charlie. That's correct. Is that a, the position you were in? Is that usually a 61 Charlie? It is 100% designated a 61 Charlie spot. Nice. And so is the commander. The commander of the drug lab is a G-series commander, 61 Charlie PhD position. Now, when you say G-series, what does that mean? So G-series is just that special designation. I don't actually know what G means. Are you, a G, are you a G-series? I am a G-series right now, yes. Nice. Um, but it's, a, it's just a special designation given to a commander that basically gives you the the rights to a bunch of 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 capabilities so for example i i can administer njp i can administer non-judicial punishment i can make decisions based on half uh based on the behalf of the unit that a normal commander anyone without g-series orders can't do ah okay so if you go back to like nasic for example my squadron commander did not have g-series orders i think that the g-series orders actually rests with the section commander so the commander of NASIC doesn't even have G-Series orders. They've delegated it to the section commander. Now that section commander can do things like approve leave and things like that. Uh, um, um, and administer NJP, uh, non-judicial punishment, things like that. Um, but usually it goes through the, the, the NASIC commander yeah. in the first place. So the NASIC, com- but officially the NASIC commander cannot give it. It has wow. to go through the, the section commander because that section commander is on G-Series orders. Hmm. So it's, sometimes it works like that. It's weird. Yeah. But and yes. I know that over your time, and I don't I don't know which of the many crazy assignments that you've, you've had so far, but you won a pretty distinguished award, did uh, you not? I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up. Oh, come on. I had to. No, I don't. Something of the year. I don't know. <laughs> that, was at, that was at NASIC. Uh, when I was managing that that uh, 64 project portfolio of a bunch of projects that I can't talk about, um, I uh, put myself in for an award. I Well, it came out, and I was like, hey, I might try to go for this. And then I told um, my squadron commander at the time, I was like, hey, sir, I'm, I was thinking about going for this. What do you think? He's like, yeah, sure. 
like made it seem like it was no big deal. Like, nah, no worries. And now I kind of secretly think like he was thinking, man, Ben probably has a pretty good shot at this. We should, yeah. we should definitely, this is something we definitely should do. And so I put, and in, in the application process was it could be secret or it could, it, or it could be classified or it could be unclass. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll put all of my, I've got 64 bullets. I'll yeah. put them in there. And yeah. so it was actually relatively easy to write. And, um, I, I sent it off and didn't hear back from it, hear back about it for, for a while. And then, um, about a month, I don't, I don't remember how long it was later, but there was, uh, our, th- the three star, the, the deputy assistant, let's see, assistant chief of staff for ISR. So intelligence, surveillance, and, Reso- and reconnaissance yep. is a three star general. At the time it was Lieutenant General Bob Otto, Robert Otto, O-T-T-O. Uh, he was our direct like we reported NASIC directly reports to him. Gotcha. Uh, we're a direct reporting unit. He was coming to visit and kind of chit chat with all the CGOs. He wanted to chit chat with all the CGOs, uh, company grade officers. So that's, uh, you know, second lieutenant, first lieutenant and captains just to kind of chit chat and see, you know, see what was on our mind and what questions we had for him. Well, a lot of times senior officers will do that just mm-hmm. to kind of give you their perspective on things. And I signed up for it because it was a lunch. It was like a brown bag situation. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'll go check this out and see what he has to say. And sure enough, um, the NASIC commander comes in and and General Otto's there. And she's like, is is there Captain Schulze in here? And I was like, uh-oh. I got, uh, my heart went, I was like, can I cuss <laughs> on this? Am I allowed to cuss? No? No. Okay. I'll say, oh, poop. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I said, oh, poop. And she's like, she's I, I like raised my hand. She's like, she goes, Captain Schulze, come to the front of the class. I was like, oh, crap. Oh, no. And ultimately, she just made the announcement that I won Scientist of the Year. Wow. Uh, for the entire Air Force. And uh, I got coined by her and uh, General Otto. And and I got to I get to wear like a special ribbon and all that kind of stuff. And That's amazing. That was, so two things. Number one, can't believe you were going to just skip over that. <laughs> um, that's pretty big. That's cool. Yeah. Number two... I found that out. Funny story. I found out that you won that because when we got the inbound name from our personnel, us and ops like to do a little thing where we stalk the inbound people. Oh. And, of course, our our new commander, we're like, oh, we got to get everything on this person. So we started typing your name in the Google machine. Yep. And then, boom, I was like, going. scientist of the year yeah yeah and then we found out that you were 610 <laughs> we're like yeah, well he's got to play basketball in the air force academy they were the, uh, yeah that picture of me uh that you probably looked at yeah. is not the best picture of me <laughs> and then we found the video of you on the news oh yeah yeah, yeah. there's that too you were uh doing a, a spot in in for your dad you were that's right for your yep. dad. yeah i was doing i recorded a uh uh, I think it was a Memorial Day message. Yeah. Yeah. I recorded yeah. a more Memorial Day message that, gosh, I wish I, I felt so awkward. <laughs> well, you did good. I, well, thank you. I think you were just being nice, but I, I felt so awkward. I, I've never read off a teleprompter before. It was all in a teleprompter. I felt like I should, like, it's all set up. Like, I should know how to do this. Why can't you just read off a teleprompter? <laughs> I'm, but mad props to, you know, news anchors that do that for a living. Like, oh, yeah. It's, I, I it's not that. as easy as it looks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, our first thought was my first thought 
after seeing that, I was like, oh, he's going to be good for the podcast. And now here we are. <laughs> Full circle. This is, right. this is way easier than reading off a teleprompter. I'll say that right now. Oh, yeah. Because we can just cut whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's awesome. Well, they could too, but yeah, it's just you get through like one or two takes and you're like, I am not doing any better yeah. on these takes. <laughs> yeah. Just get the first one. Yeah. So I want to talk about you've done so much in your career as a 61 Charlie, as a, as a chemist. But you are in a very, very vastly different position now. Yes. How did that come to be? How did you become a squadron commander? That's a great question. And it's something I'm actually very passionate about because uh, the, our, our career field, right? So the 61, 62, the force modernization career fields, command for us is such a huge opportunity. Yeah. But it's also a rare opportunity, very rare the command opportunity, and I'm, I don't even know if that's a real word, but the, the ability to go to command, if you compare the number of command billets of six ones, twos, and threes to the amount of six ones and twos and threes officers, it's not a lot of percent. Yeah. Um, it's probably like 30%. For chemists, it's even lower. Our command opportunity is like 5%. Wow. Um, there, are, there are four... 61 Charlie commands in the entire Air Force. And I said, there are a hundred of us, right? So it's not, it's not like there should yeah. be a lot, but still 4%, 5% command opportunity. Um, and so if you think about other career fields, like logistics readiness officers, 21 or 21 hours, they're going to command twice. If they have a pulse, if they're alive, they're going to yeah. command twice for the most part. Now I'm saying that a little facetiously, please 21 R CFM, please don't get mad at me. Um, and all my <laughs> friends, uh, in the C and the, the 21R community, um, but the same is true for 64 Papas, uh, the um, contracting officers. Same is true for 65 Fs, uh, the finance officers. You're going to command twice, as long as you don't get like a DUI or something like that, yeah. right? For us, uh, 61 Charlies, 62 Echoes, and 63 Alphas, the the scientists, engineers, and acquisitions officers, we're lucky if we command once. So, why is that? Why is it's just the way that um is it because the Air you Force have such a small it's the way the Air Force is set up, right? So um I, I think that a part of it is the force modernization career fields kind of came out of the idea of modernization in the first place. Whereas, yeah. you know, you've always had a need for logistics readiness. You've always had a need for a finance, you've always had a need for procurement contracting. Yeah. Like those I really truly think that those have been there. And then oh we do need a, a, a force modernization core. We need these people to help uh, design our next generation aircraft mm -hmm. how to, uh, and to sustain and, and, and upgrade our old aircraft as well. Yeah. So that's kind of what our, our some of our jobs are. And then the force modernization is in the name, right? Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to stay with the times. And so we're working on it. The career field is definitely working on kind of rectifying that, building more commands, more command opportunities into um, our career fields. For sure, they're definitely working on it. Um, but the the question is also, do we need that? Does the Air Force need a command for 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 them? And there's there's yeah. arguments both ways. And how did you get? I mean, it couldn't be further from the de chemistry recruiting. Yes. How did you get to recruiting? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, check like 
So one thing we didn't talk about is where I went from the, the drug testing lab next. I went from the drug testing lab to AFPC. Oh, yes. Right? So I went across the town. So I was at Lackland in San Antonio, and I went across town to Randolph, which is where AFPC is at, Air Force Personnel Center, okay. where I did oversaw assignments for the six ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives. Nice. Um, so I got, that gave me a whole personnel perspective on life, but that had nothing to do with chemistry. <laughs> yeah. So really I was just preparing myself exactly. for recruiting where it has nothing to do with chemistry. The thing is like coming straight out of, as far as what has done, what has dealt with the chemistry that I'm most familiar with, the science I'm most familiar with, the only assignments I've ever had that dealt with that were my grad school and teaching. Wow. So at NASIC, I was doing no chemistry at, at, the research lab, I was doing a little bit, but it was applied yeah. chemistry. It wasn't really basic science. Mm -hmm. um, at the drug testing lab, not doing a whole lot of chemistry. I was doing analytical stuff with equipment, but not a whole lot hands-on or anything like that. AFPC, definitely not doing any. Yeah. And then, you know, here, yeah. I'm, I'm all over. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing any chemistry <laughs> at all. Um, uh, I see the the science set that you have in your office. Yeah, right. <laughs> Every once in a while. I wish I did. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll bring in my, no, I almost went really super nerd on you. I won't do that. Um, but so, so my point is, it's not like I haven't been fully inundated with chemistry my whole Air Force career yeah. in the first place. Um, that being said, I also kind of morphed my mindset a little bit. Um, it took a little bit for me to get there, but ultimately, remember I said I wanted to do science leadership. It really just morphed a little bit into leadership. Yeah. And if science is there, that's just a fringe benefit. Right. But really, it just kind of morphed into Ben, you know, you want to do some leadership. You, you know, you're pretty good at it. You, you've demonstrated that a little bit here on, on the way. Um, if, if chemistry leadership isn't in the question, you should probably just broaden your aperture a little bit. And sure enough, like I talked to a lot of people um, while I was at AFPC and at the drug testing lab. Um, I, sh I tried to be the drug testing lab commander. Uh, ultimately, it just didn't work out for me. Yeah. Um, Maybe it will in the future. I don't know. But I realized along the way, like, you should just tr just try leadership in general. I yeah. mean, it's like, yeah, so let's let's give it a shot. And so here I am in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Oak, oh, Oak Creek, Wisconsin, uh, the place of my birth. Not not Oak Creek, but Milwaukee. Yeah. Born in Milwaukee. Uh, lived here until I was five. Back home. Never thought I'd be here. Never thought I'd be here, Check. I know, right? Me either. So Me either. Took me. I'm... I'm originally from Wisconsin, and it took me 16 years to get back. So should, should we should we turn this into a podcast about the Packers, real quick? I don't know. Probably do want, not. Do you want it to get real sad? In <laughs> yeah, here? right. <laughs> so I have to ask. Okay. How has it been? You know, you've been in the seat for ooh, it's almost been it's almost been six months now. Mm -mm. June, right? The end of June, Jack. The end of June. The beginning of okay, July. Okay, so four, four months. Yeah, four. yeah, four months. Four. How how has it been? Uh, it has been stressful, uh, but rewarding. Yeah. Uh, it's been exciting, and it's been a, a whole new challenge. It's been stressful because it's been a challenge. Mm -hmm. You you go from one place. I was just starting to get the hang of AFPC. Yeah. Like, I'm starting to kind of come into my own, become more confident as as a branch chief, and then learning you know learning the ropes and everything. And then I get kind of taken out of that and thrown into a brand new scenario of, of new lingo and new 
oh man, RALs and and uh, NECs and EADs and all that stuff yeah, and all, all new these, acronyms, all new acronyms. And so it's 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 a whirlwind and it comes and it gets a little stressful. Yeah. Um. But in the end, just like at AFPC, I have a really I almost cursed again. A really great team. <laughs> I have a really great team, uh, including yourself, that has helped me through this. Uh, help me understand everything about the process. Help me understand the the business of recruiting. Yeah. Um, and it, I am so thankful that I have you guys to lean on. Like none of, I would not be, you know, remotely sane right now unless I had you guys to lean on to uh, landladies to lean on. So I'm just so thankful for the team that I have. Yeah, we have a good team. We have a great yeah. team. I was uh, pretty stoked when I got to get actually to headquarters because i've worked at a headquarters and recruiting squadron and being around the team they're phenomenal they're really good especially our civilians yes uh, they are yes. awesome yes so yeah it, it has been a uh stressful year um that also that's also true but we don't have to talk about that no and we're in a new fy fiscal year now and i i see good things coming um the slate is blank exactly and we're we're gonna be fine yeah We've got good leadership he's tall <laughs> I, I remember but at the, least he's tall the first thing you said what what it was on your, your slide you had a welcome slide at our change did. man what was the first thing that you put there was no context all it said was literally this is all it said was 610 and i used to yeah and and then and those of course are the the answers to the first two questions that i always get I always asked. get yeah. and I can imagine that they're probably getting pretty old. <laughs> but that's what happens when you're uh, that tall, sir. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, I'm sure you are sorry, Jack. Yeah. So now, how many years have you been in the Air Force? Well, we'll call it 16. 16? Yeah. 16 and a half. Okay. And what are your plans? I mean, what, what's, what's next after this? So... I told I've I've made a promise to my wife uh, since we joined that I would do my best to try to get back to Florida. Yeah, and we all know that there are plenty of Air Force bases in Florida. The problem mm -hmm. is, not too many for a chemist. Yeah, um, there is one significant base though, and it's no longer an Air Force base; it's a Space Force base. Ooh, but there's an Air Force mission there called the the Air Force Technical Application Center, or AFTAC for short. And surprisingly, somehow, despite the fact that like a very large percentage of chemists go through there at some point in their career. I've never been there. Wow. And so AFTAC's mission is a uh, nuclear treaty monitoring. And so they, they're involved with, you know, uh, making sure organizations around the world are doing what they're supposed to be doing with nuclear material. So, okay. um, I don't, I don't actually know too much about their mission because a lot of it's classified as well. Yeah. Um, but somehow I haven't been able to get there hmm. somehow. And so the goal for the next, what's next for me is to somehow to, I guess I don't want to say weasel my way, but <laughs> somehow get over there. Yeah. Yeah. Happy wife, happy life. Yes. Go back to Florida. Is that Patrick? Yes, that's Patrick. Patrick's Patrick Space Force. Space. Space. Yep. Nice. Cocoa Beach slash Melbourne, Florida on the East Coast. And then, so I'm assuming you're going to, you're almost there. You're going to retire. Mm, um, I don't know. At, as uh, long as, as long as it keeps making sense. Right. So yeah. uh, I've known uh, one of the, one of my subordinates back at AFPC, she put it the best. She's like, as long as it keeps making sense, as long as it, you know, it's uh, as long as I feel like I'm making an impact and, and, and doing good things for the Air Force. Yeah. Um, 
that's that's what my and if it, like man maybe there's a it's a group commander position or something like that i don't know we'll see yeah yeah we'll see we'll see first i gotta i gotta knock on wood without turning off our recording device here but can we do that there we go gotta graduate first yeah graduate squadron commander school yeah well, you're doing a good job, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah, first four months have been. Uh, he immediately been looked good. away when he said that. By the way, I rolled my eyes. Yes, <laughs> I can see. <laughs> so I have uh, two more questions. Okay. Uh, the last questions before we wrap things up. First one. All these things that you've done, all these places you've gone, all these experiences you've had. When you were 17 years old, looking at options to go play basketball somewhere. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that any of this stuff would have happened without easiest, the Air Force? Easiest answer, uh, I'll say all day, heck no. Yeah. Heck no. And I, no, there's no way I thought that. I was, like I said, I could think barely a week ahead of my, yeah. <laughs> my face, let alone 16 years ahead of or 20 years ahead of time. And then, goodness, what a fortunate choice. Yeah. Um, what a fortunate choice. Yeah. And I think that you probably align with that thought process as a 17 year old. You probably align with a lot of 17 year olds mm -hmm. thinking a week ahead and that's it. Yep. And that's what this podcast is all about yeah. is to show you that, okay, you know what? It's normal to think a week ahead, but, but the air force can provide you with opportunities that you had no idea that you could do or accomplish even if you're just thinking ahead one week at a time right now. It's well said. Yeah. It's well said. I don't, yeah. Yeah. Last question, sir. Oh, gosh. Over your 16-year career, what is the best piece of mentorship or advice that you received? There's a couple. There's. Can I, can I do two? They're pretty quick. Yeah, of course. Uh, the, the first thing is take care of the people and the mission will take care of itself. Um, I saw that firsthand in my in my uh, my during my time at at, at NASIC as a flight commander, um, and, and there was a little bit of leadership there. But as far as kind of molding uh, the flight and how it needed to be, um, but there's also an element of just give people the resources they need to do their job and watch them go. There's there's th so there's that piece. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, right before I left to come out here. Stressing out a little bit, talking to <laughs> my boss uh, back at uh, Air Force Personnel Center, Colonel Jeannie Sasnet. Um, and I said, ma'am, what, what are some pieces of advice you can lay on me? And I'll never forget. She said, the one thing that I would t carry with me is meet people where they're at. I think you've probably had that a couple times on your podcast, but meet people where they're at, yeah. which means a couple different things. But primarily, kind of reserve your judgment on a human being before you kind of get to know their situation, mm -hmm. get to know the context of why this person did that or why this person said that, get to know the context. And then you can kind of have a conversation about maybe they did something wrong, but maybe they were in a bad mental place or maybe they needed to, maybe they, and so you can kind of address the underlying issue as opposed to just getting mad at them for something they did wrong or, or something good, right? Or something yeah. like that. So yeah, meet people where they're at. Those are some solid, <laughs> solid leadership uh, piece of advice. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, I always ask that. I always ask I that you. question because I like to t I like to hear people's advice. Yeah, because I apply it, a lot of it. Yeah, 
So. I th- like, uh, what did uh, Chief Bass say? Like, four years in the Air Force, never hurt anyone? Yeah. Yeah. Never hurt anyone. That's goes by in a flash. Yeah, well, that that's basically my career in a nutshell, right? It's like, well, I guess I'll go to grad school yeah. and get a PhD. A lot of things can change over four years. Yeah. Your mind can completely change and you can grow up. You, you will figure out what you want to do in some form or fashion in four years. Absolutely. And if yeah. it's not being in the Air Force, that's that's fine. That's fine. But guess what? You're going to walk out with skills, uh, whether you like it or not. You're going to walk out with some sort of tech skills. You're going to walk out with some leadership and 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 a little, probably a little cash in your pocket too. Yeah, and a network. And a network. Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. This has been great, Colonel Schulze. Well, thanks I, for I, having me, Check. Yeah, I appreciate you. Ha- I appreciate you coming on. Taking. I know you're busy. I know you're a very busy <laughs> man. Um, I have literally been sitting in my office like, when is Check going to let me on? When do I get to go on? When do I get to go on? Oh, he is lying. This man is busy <laughs> because we keep him busy. So, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on. This has been wonderful. Yeah, it's been great, Check. And uh, hey, if you ever need a a lesson on drug testing in the Air Force, I'll, I'll gladly come back. Yeah, we're going to have him come on and, and <laughs> give us a whole like two-hour podcast on what goes into drug testing. So, awesome. Well, thank you, Colonel Schulze. I appreciate you coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin Schulze, and this is the Air Power Hour. Take care, friends. Mm-hmm.